Back when I was in college, way back in the early 1990s, uh, I got involved in a campus ministry, probably many of you have heard of, called Campus Crusade for Christ. And uh, I believe they call themselves Crew these days. And uh, I will admit uh, that it was one of the best times of my life. I still have friends from that season of my life who are great friends. Uh, I grew so much in my faith uh, during my time with Campus Crusade. Uh, it's where I discovered um, my, you know, I became confident in terms of leadership ability. Um, Jesus became real to me in a way that he had never been real to me before during that time. And in some ways, I felt like my life mattered uh, in ways that I hadn't imagined before. Um, and to be totally honest, I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't had that experience with Campus Crusade for Christ. One of the things that Campus Crusade is known for uh, is a, a, an evangelism tool called the Four Spiritual Laws, which sounds kind of weird and crazy if you don't know what that's about. Uh, sounds legalistic. Uh, it's actually not um, meant to represent um, legal kind of laws, but more physical laws, like laws of nature. Uh, these are spiritual laws as opposed to physical laws or natural laws. And um, you know, and, and they're great, um, right? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for, for your life. Uh, human beings are sinful and separated from God, right? Because of our sin, we can't know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for uh, our sin, and uh, we can receive eternal life by putting our faith in Jesus, right? Good stuff. Uh, I totally don't agree, uh, disagree. <laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, and I got really good at sharing the four spiritual laws. You can see I still pretty much have it memorized. Um, I got good at sharing the four spiritual laws. And I remember during one of our trainings, we had some uh, staff come from another campus and uh, do training with the students on how to share the four spiritual laws. And uh, they gave us some tips. And one of the tips had to do with abundant life and eternal life. All right, one of the four spiritual laws talks about God's desire for us to have both eternal life and abundant life. Jesus came to give us abundant life and eternal life. And this staff person who was doing the training uh, said to us, when you share the four spiritual laws, don't focus on the abundant life. Just focus on the eternal life because that's what really matters. And uh, at the time, I thought, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense, I guess. Uh, but now I look back on that and I think to myself, whoa, that is way off. No way is eternal life the only thing that matters to God. Right? Yes, God wants us to have eternal life, absolutely, but God also wants us to have abundant life, right? Uh, a rich life, not just not in terms of possessions necessarily, but in terms of fullness of life. Salvation isn't just about uh, going to heaven when we die. It's about experiencing heaven, in a sense, now, here, in this world. Uh, last few episodes have talked about shalom, right? And really, that's I think that's a good synonym for heaven in some ways, right? Heaven is a place of perfect shalom in every way. And that's what God wants for our lives, not only after we die, but before we die too. And God doesn't just want it for our own individual lives. God wants it for the whole world. God wants the whole world to be a place that is filled with shalom, right? A place that is heaven on earth, so to speak. And isn't that what we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today I want to talk about uh, all the various ways that God wants to restore shalom 
in our lives and in the world. When I was at Flourish San Diego, we called it the fourfold nature of shalom. And so uh, that's what we're going to call it here, the fourfold nature of shalom. I'm Marcus Watson, and you're listening to Episode 3 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Well, today I want to talk about the fourfold nature of shalom, uh, which refers essentially to the four uh, aspects of shalom that God wants to restore in the world, the, the four different kinds of connections or relationships that exist in the world in which shalom has been broken and where God wants to restore shalom. Um, in order to understand the fourfold nature of shalom, we got to go back to the creation story. And so I'm, I'm going to read various uh, verses and passages, uh, well, mostly just a few verses here and there, uh, from the creation story. right? Because when God creates the world, the world uh, is in a state of perfect shalom. So I've uh, described shalom as a comprehensive state of well-being that touches every aspect of life, right? Every aspect of life. And one of those aspects is between God and people, right? Between God and human beings. And right from the beginning, right from the creation, there is this intimate connection between God and human beings, right? When God creates human beings, it says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being, right? Right from the beginning, there's this really intimate connection, an exchanging of breath, right? Wow, that's the kind of connection God longs to have for us. Uh, Later in chapter 3, when God comes to Adam and Eve after uh, they've eaten the fruit they're not supposed to eat, it says that he comes to them in the cool of the day, as though this is just sort of what God does. God comes and he walks around with people, right? It's just this image of a beautiful connection, a union between human beings and God, right? There's shalom between God and people, That's the first kind of shalom. Then there's shalom between people and each other, right? Between Adam and Eve, between the man and the woman, between human beings and other human beings. Human beings were created to be in relationship with each other, right? And so that's why God creates uh, a partner, uh, a friend for, um, uh, for the first human being. right? And then right away, what happens? They get married. There's this marriage, this even deeper union that happens between human beings. Uh, Chapter 2, verse uh, 23 and 24, um, it says, The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Then it says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Right There's this deep, intimate communion between human beings. Uh, right immediately, the world was a world where human beings were in perfect union with each other. And then the next verse, verse 24, it says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Right? They, they were unashamed with each other. They felt perfectly safe and secure in each other's presence. They had nothing to hide from each other. There was no defensiveness between them. 
right? They were free with each other. There was shalom between human beings. That's the second aspect of shalom in the world that God created. Then there was shalom within the human beings themselves. There was a kind of peace with themselves that existed. Again, this has to do with the idea that there was no shame. They had nothing uh, to be ashamed of. Uh, They had no brokenness in their lives, right? Part of the brokenness in so many of us is the shame that we carry with us, the shame that we feel over things that we've done or that have been done to us, right? But in the world that God created, there was no shame. There was health. There was wholeness. People felt safe and secure and whole and unbroken in this world that God had created, That's the third aspect of shalom in the world that God made. And then finally, the fourth kind of shalom was in the relationship between human beings and the creation. The earth provided for the human beings, and the human beings took care of the earth. Listen to what it says in Genesis 1, 29 and 30. Uh, It says, Then God said, to the man, to the to the human, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Right, Right from the beginning, The creation nourishes people. It provides for people. Um, But the creation didn't exist merely for the sake of human beings, right? Human beings were charged with taking care of this world that God created. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it, right? We were created to take care of it of this world that takes care of us. It is a mutual relationship between human beings and the created order. There is harmony, there is shalom between human beings and the creation in the world as God created it, right? So this fourfold nature of shalom includes shalom between God and people, shalom between people and each other, shalom within human beings themselves, an inner shalom, and then shalom between human beings and the creation. And then, of course, you know uh, that shalom was broken, right? Adam and Eve ate the fruit that they were not supposed to eat. And, of course, the temptation for them was, was to have the power to decide for themselves what was right and what was wrong. Uh, chapter 3, verse 5, uh, the, the serpent says, For God knows that when you eat from it, this fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You don't have to rely on God to help you know what is good and evil. You can know it for yourself. You can decide for yourself. Right? And so right away, there's this uh, division between God and human beings because human beings now say, I don't need what God can offer me. I can, I can do this myself. Right? And so shalom was broken between God and humanity. Notice what the people do when God comes looking for them. Uh, verses 8 through 10. 
chapter 3. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Right There's that image of the way it's supposed to be. God comes and walks with them. But what do they do? They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Right? Rather than coming out and feeling free and and secure and safe with God, now they feel like they have to hide from God. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Right? Shalom now between God and human beings has been broken. And then there's broken shalom between human beings and each other. Right Prior to the eating of the fruit they weren't supposed to eat, uh, they had been unashamed in each other's presence. Right Again, chapter 2, verse 25, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They had been t- completely unashamed. But now, all of a sudden, there was this awareness that they were naked. Uh, right, Chapter 3, verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Right? They they didn't only hide from God, they were now hiding from each other. Covering themselves up in front of each other, putting defenses, so to speak, up between each other. They no longer felt safe with one another. They couldn't entrust themselves with each other anymore. Now there was a separation between the human beings. And so shalom between human beings has now been broken. And then there's a brokenness within human beings themselves, right? A sort of inner shalom was broken. And again, this is where the concept of shame comes in, right? They no longer felt whole. They had become broken and sinful and felt ashamed of themselves, right? They were not fully who they were created to be because now they had allowed sin to become a part of the story. They had allowed shalom to be broken between them and God, between them and each other, and that led to a brokenness of shalom within themselves. And then there's the fourth aspect in which shalom is broken, and that's between human beings and the creation. This is where the curse comes in. Uh, A lot of times the curses, we read them and we're like, gosh, what is this all about? I I think it has a lot to do with the brokenness between human beings and the created order. This is what God says to the woman, uh, Genesis 3.16. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Uh, now, I, I don't know what childbearing feels like. <laughs> I've seen my wife go through it, and uh, it looks really, really hard. Um, and I don't know what childbearing would have felt like if there had been no fall. But it sounds like maybe it would have been easier, right? It sounds like maybe there would have been less pain or maybe no pain. I don't know, right? But here's the thing. Childbearing, in a sense, is is sort of an act of co-creation with God. And it's pretty amazing if you think about it. Women get to participate with God in the ongoing creation of the world. How awesome is that? And men get to participate too. I mean, we do our part as well, right? But women, wow, when they become mothers and those child, those, those children are born, right? 
And so there's a very beautiful, natural, shalom-like nature to giving birth. But now, because shalom has been broken, there is a brokenness in this act of creation, right? And it's expressed, this brokenness is expressed in the pain that's involved in childbearing. And by the way, the last part of that verse uh, further represents the brokenness between human beings, right? Where it says your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Part of the brokenness of the world's shalom is that men in most cultures tend to dominate over women, right? Sometimes you hear it said that, oh, well, this is what God prescribed for the world, but that's not what's happening here, right? What God is doing is he is He is describing, he's not prescribing, he is describing what happens when human beings exist in a state of broken shalom, right? Some people tend to dominate over others, right? When the world is in a state of broken shalom, men have a tendency to rule over women. It's not how it's meant to be. It's what happens when the world is broken. All right, so that's what uh, God says to the woman. Here's what God says to the man, uh, verses 17 to 19. He says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food, until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Right? There is this brokenness in terms of um, humanity's relationship to the earth, right? No longer will the earth joyfully and effortlessly provide for the nourishment of human beings. Now, human beings will have to work tirelessly to get the earth to produce fruit. There was a time when the world was in a state of perfect shalom, and it's like the earth just said, here, here, have as much as you want. And God says, now with this brokenness, It's not going to be like that anymore. Shalom has been broken between human beings and the created order. So we live in a world in which shalom has been broken in all of these ways, between us and God, between us and each other, within ourselves, and between us and the creation. Now the good news is that God wants to restore shalom in all four of these ways. That's what God is about in the world. God wants to restore shalom, first of all, between us and God. See, everything after Genesis 3, Genesis 3 is the the story of, of the fall into sin where Adam and Eve eat the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat, that God said, don't, don't eat this, this isn't for you. Everything after Genesis 3 is really the story of God working to restore shalom in the world. Israel was called to restore shalom in the world. They were called a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Why? Because they were called to mediate between God and the rest of the nations. That's what priests do. You can think about any religion, right? A priest mediates between human beings and the gods or God. Israel was a kingdom of priests and a holy nation called to mediate between God and the rest of the nations. In other words, their calling was to work with God, to participate with God, to restore shalom between the nations and the God who created all nations. 
when we talk about salvation through Jesus, a lot of times we're referring to the peace that we can have with God through Jesus, right? Restoring peace with God. Right, we're talking about restoring shalom uh, with God, right? And I think that Jesus actually came to restore shalom in all four of these ways. But the restoration of shalom with God was absolutely a key part of Jesus's mission uh, in the world through his death and resurrection, Jesus came to restore shalom, and part of that shalom, part of our salvation, is that that shalom is restored between us and God. So God wants to restore shalom between us and God. God also wants to restore shalom between us and each other. Right? When there's shalom in the world, do we find war in the world? No. Is there violence in the world? No. Is there racism in the world? Is there classism? Are there broken families when the world is a world of shalom? Is there injustice? Is there poverty? Right? God wants to bring healing and wholeness in all of these areas. And, and these are all interpersonal kinds of, kinds of things. Right? God wants to bring healing and wholeness and, and really unity. Right? It's not just a lack of these negative things. What God wants is to bring good into the world between us and human beings true not just not just a lack of violence but true unity right between nations between races between every kind of person all categories of people true wholeness among human beings that's what god wants for the world right true safety and security for human beings. In so much of the world, people live without a real sense of safety. That's part of the uh, problem of poverty in so much of the world. It's the problem of violence. Uh, I was talking with someone who was from a small town in Brazil, and he said that their particular town was not safe. Uh, They didn't have good um, law enforcement there. And so he said, we can't own nice things there. You know, if you buy a car or you buy a TV or, or whatever you might buy, right? It, if it is not securely locked down, it will be stolen, right? But that, I mean, that's not shalom. We're not created to have to try to lock down and secure all of our stuff. We're created to, to be able to trust each other. God wants to restore that kind of shalom in the world where we can trust each other. We can have faith in each other. We, we can feel safe with each other in, in, in our marriages, in our relationships with our children, in our, in our, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our, in our countries, in our governments, in, uh, in our economics, our economies, right? In every aspect of our relationships with each other, God wants to bring healing and wholeness. God wants love and forgiveness and compassion for all of us and between all of us. God wants to restore shalom between human beings. And then God also wants to restore shalom within ourselves. All right, we've talked about the issue of, of shame, uh, and uh, this brokenness that we experience in our in ourselves, it is not God's desire for people to live with ongoing guilt and shame. That's not what we were made for, right? That God doesn't say, "Oh yeah, you better feel really ashamed of that." God doesn't say things to us like "shame on you," um, right? What God wants is to heal us on the inside, so that we can be fully 
who we were created to be, our best selves. God doesn't want us to feel inferior. God doesn't want us to feel afraid. God doesn't want us to feel timid. God wants every human being to be their full and true selves, to live with joy and hope and confidence and optimism and comfort and security. So many of us are broken because of painful experiences in our past. Right? And we might think that we are unloved or perhaps even unlovable. Right? These are the kinds of things that God wants to heal. God wants to heal that brokenness and restore shalom within us. And God wants to restore in us a, a real knowledge and confidence that we are absolutely loved by God and that nothing can separate us from God's love and even that we are that we are worthy of love from other human beings, uh, right? Sometimes we grow up and we're told that we're stupid or we're not smart or we're not good enough for this or that or why can't you be better or why can't you get better grades or, right? And, and we start to feel like we're unloved and unlovable and God says, no, you are my beloved. And you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be ashamed because you belong to me. God wants to restore that inner shalom within us. And then finally, God wants to restore shalom between us and the creation. Uh, I used to think that creation care was the kind of thing that liberal wackos talked about. (laughs) That was back in the day. Um, But I'll be honest, you know, as I have grown in my faith, as I've grown in my relationship with Jesus, as my understanding of God has expanded and, and 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 I and I feel like I, I I know God more and more. I've come to recognize that caring for the created order is not a liberal or a conservative thing, right? It is a matter of stewardship. That's what it is. It's a matter of taking care of what God has entrusted to us, right? Living out essentially who we were created to be as caretakers of the world that God made. Right, and of participating with God in restoring shalom within the created order. That's what caring for creation is about. And so, you know, does God care about recycling? I think he probably does. Does God care about composting? I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Does God care about preserving endangered species? Probably. Wouldn't you care about preserving something that you made and that you cherish and love? Absolutely. The creation nourishes and cares for us, and we have been called to take care of the creation. God wants to restore shalom between us and the creation. God wants to restore shalom between human beings and God, between human beings and each other, within human beings themselves, and between human beings and the creation. That's the fourfold nature of shalom. And so in light of that, what does that mean for us? Well, that means that we are invited to participate with God in God's mission of shalom. Remember, that's God's mission. We talked about that in episode two. God's mission for the world is, God's mission in the world is to restore shalom for the whole world. Uh, in 1 Peter 2.9, Peter calls, uh, refers to the church as a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And you notice he's using the same kind of language 
that was used of Israel in in Exodus, the book of Exodus, where where Israel was called a holy, uh, sorry, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, right? And just like Israel, we are called we, uh, the people of God, we those who have entrusted ourselves to God, we are called to be mediators between God and the world. We are in that in that sense priests, right? We are called to connect people to life with God, to life with Jesus, to life with their creator. And in doing that, guess what? That is an act of restoring shalom in the world. That's our calling. We are called to join God in restoring shalom to the world. And we are called not only to join God in restoring shalom between God and human beings, right, by helping people enter a relationship with God. That's how we, that's sort of the traditional view of evangelism and shalom. But we are also called to bring healing to people in every aspect of life, to to creation in every aspect of life, to bring healing to people's relationships with each other. We are called to help people be restored to an inner wholeness. We are called to exercise our calling as stewards over the creation that God has entrusted to us. All of this is the good news, isn't it? That God wants to restore shalom in every aspect of life. And we are invited. We are invited to participate with God in God's mission of shalom. So that's that's today. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, let me just invite you to uh, follow me on Twitter if you'd like to. Um, you can find me at, at Marcus Watson, and uh, that's Marcus with a K, M-A-R-K-U-S-W-A-T-S-O-N. You can check out my website, www.marcuswatson.com. You can join my email list uh, when you go to my website. And um, uh, this is something I just thought of that I should probably uh, invite you to do if you're up for it. Uh, I'd be grateful if you could leave a review uh, on iTunes. Uh, That would be fantastic. And uh, just uh, let folks know what you think. So thanks so much uh, for being with me again. I'm Marcus Watson, and I will see you next time on Spiritual Life and Leadership.